stood in firelight, sweltering, bloodstain on chest like map of violent new continent. Felt cleansed, felt dark planet turn under my feet, and knew what cats know that makes them scream like babies in night. Looked at sky through smoke heavy with human fat, and God was not there. The cold, suffocating dark goes on forever, and we are alone. Live our lives, lacking anything better to do, devise reason later. Born from oblivion, bear children, hell-bound as ourselves, go into oblivion. There is nothing else. Existence is random has no pattern save what we imagine after staring at it for too long. No meaning save what we choose to impose. This rudderless world is not shaped by vague metaphysical forces. It is not God who kills the children, not fate that butchers them, or destiny that feeds them to the dogs. It's us. Only us. Streets stank of fire. The void breathed hard on my heart, turning its illusions to ice, shattering them. Was reborn then, free to scrawl own design on this morally blank world. Was Rorschach. Does that answer your questions, Doctor? Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book, a compared podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I am your host, Aaron Palmer, and I am back for round two with Mr. Dan over Watchmen. Hello, Dan. Hello, Aaron. We are back. We are back. For and an- perhaps from a certain mm. perspective, we've always been here. We have never left. And also, we've always been here. We're wherever we are next because time is non-relative because we see things like time is irrelevant. (laughs) (laughs) Time is cyclical. It's all happening at the same time, as you know. Beautiful multifaceted. Uh, Yes. Ah, I love it. Yes, yes. So we are back for round two, and uh, we're not going to go through the whole spiel. You guys, uh, hopefully, you've listened to part one. If you haven't, maybe hit that pause button, go listen to part one, so that stuff kind of makes sense. (laughs) Otherwise. We're jumping right in to the film adaptation of Watchmen, which, little reminder, was directed by Zack Snyder in 2009, featuring Billy Crudup, Patrick Wilson, Malin Ackerman, Carla Gugino, Jackie Earl Haley, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan, along with many, many other awesome actors. So, any thoughts before I jump into this synopsis, Mr. Dan? Oh, um... No, I'm just I'm eager no. to talk All about right. it. No, all right, we're, yeah. we're ready. Um, we're we're I think ready for it. This is an interesting film. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I cannot wait to talk about how you feel about this because I know how I feel about this, but I have a suspicion <laughs> that you may not have the same feelings as I do. So I cannot wait. All right. <laughs> all right, I will read this little synopsis and we'll dive in. In an alternate 1985 America, costume superheroes are part of everyday life. 
When one of his former comrades is murdered, masked vigilante Rorschach, played by Jackie Earl Haley, uncovers a plot to kill and discredit all past and present superheroes. As he reconnects with his retired associates, only one of which has true powers, Rorschach glimpses a far-reaching conspiracy involving their shared past and catastrophic consequences for the world's future. Dun, 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 dun. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like that was merited. Yeah. So, that's Mr. Dan. Wasn't it like the best movie you've ever seen? Uh, Tell me how much you loved it. No, no, it wasn't. No, no. <laughs> but, no. but you know, I actually, oh. I actually am a bit of an apologist for this film. Um, Ooh, I, d- okay. I didn't Do tell. hate it. Um, I think it's very flawed. Um, like, <laughs> I personally think so. When I was doing my rewatch for this... Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of different versions of this. Like, there's an ultimate cut. There's, yeah. uh, you know, there's like, yeah, there's several versions for like sure. Mm-hmm. I, for mm-hmm. my rewatch, I watched the theatrical version. And Ooh, okay. That's the condensed version. Yeah. I think it becomes kind of incoherent in places if you haven't mm. read the comic. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of blink and you'll miss it if you aren't familiar with the comic like in particular i remember at the time people talking about the cat you know like a lot of oh yeah like, like what the hell is that the deal with the yeah cat? and it's like because it, it's not till the very end yeah, that you it, see that cat. it's kind mm-hmm. of foreshadowed because you see uh you see dan playing with a little cat a little toy of the cat when he goes to talk to ozymandias um, right, but that's very much a brief little. Hey, it's there. Yeah, bye. It's, yeah, it's not a. <laughs> yeah. It's not a thing where we like establish that he has a genetically mm-hmm. engineered links for a pet, <laughs> and they never touch on it when you do yeah. see it either. It's just I've got this crazy blue linksy yeah, tiger saber tooth cat thing. That- for some reason. He, he just thinks it's cool. <laughs> it's a really pretty kitty, yeah. I will say. He's real, yeah. real pretty, and I want one. Oh, well, of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I will say, you know, um, like everything Zack Snyder does, I mm-hmm. think it is done with an incredible level of sincerity and enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. Um, like, I think, I think Snyder, all of, his, all of his movies kind of look the same. But they also they all look fucking great. Like they're all They're beautiful. They are beautiful. He has a real and we we talked about this at like the beginning of the last episode that he really has a great eye yes. to make graphic novels and comic book renditions into live media. Yes. He has a really good eye for it. And I really appreciate that part of his of his filmmaking. Oh yes, yes. And sure. it's like it's not mm-hmm. It's not necessarily who I would have chosen to direct a Watchmen movie, but at the same time, it's like, I think he's the only one who could have as... Maybe the Wachowskis before their transition. I don't like their stuff as much anymore. Yeah. But when they were first starting out... After Matrix kind of... Uh-huh. Matrix was really great. Yeah. 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 No, like I, I think, yeah. I, and that's not to say that their transition was the reason they're making <laughs> right. bad movies. I want to press this, preface that. That is not what I'm saying. Please don't, <laughs> don't at me over don't that. Ay, <laughs> Yeah, but I, I get it. As far, as far as, you know, earlier in their career, there was a... Yeah, early career, yeah. I really love the Wachowski sisters. Yeah. They were amazing, amazing work. And they are very big comic book buffs. Right, So yeah. you so can could, totally see that as well. Yeah, I could, mm. I could see that. But I think... 
as far as Snyder goes, like he does, you know, I think I, earlier I used the term like he's like a college sophomore, um, <laughs> which isn't intended as a diss on college sophomores. A lot of them are smarter than me, for sure. You know? but, but it being more like like when someone is in that like phase of life where they're young and inexperienced, but still definitely like, you know, you are an adult, you are figuring things out, you know. It's a different spark. Um, and that like the things that kind of appeal to you and stand out to you mm-hmm. might be quite different compared to, you know, yeah. older people. Um, yeah, for sure. But, uh, but I think that's that the presence of that eye with Zack Snyder means he would fight for things and be sure that things are included that like a less enthusiastic director or less fanatical director would like shy away from, you know, like totally like I'm sure at some point in production, somebody was like, well, couldn't we make Rorschach and Night Owl the same character or something like that? (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah. That would, if you wanted to destroy everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He did stay true to some of the kind of core, aspects of some of the characters and mostly the predominant like main characters so you you do get to see Rorschach you do get to see Night Owl and Doctor like all the core people are there and I think he represented them pretty well yeah I think it's aesthetically like he does really great stuff and most of I would say most of the aesthetic changes from the source material are entirely justified like I think absolutely I think Silk Spectre's outfit would have been really hard to do (gasps) in live action (laughs) Silk Spectre's outfit in the film and also her daughter Laura who's Silk Spectre too? Mm. Um, both of those costumes that they redesigned, same color scheme, but they made them a little bit more skimpy. Mm. But at the same time, it made more sense. Yeah. I think. Um, and also, like Silk Spectre, who is played by Carla G- uh, Gugino, I've, ugh, I'm obsessed with her. I love her. <laughs> She's quite good. So much. Yeah, like and funnily enough, we were just talking about Sucker Punch before. She's also in that, oh, and I love her in that. In that? She's the... She is the madam. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Oh my god, I love her to bits and she's beautiful and fierce and has a little bit of the crazy eye thing going on and i love <laughs> Which is her a good cast and for she, Silk Spectre. <laughs> oh it's so good and they really did like the classic like pinup hairdo with her and the pinup outfit and they show that she's got pinup kind of imagery mm. when she was in her heyday yes oh so that is uh, something i would i would love uh, to talk about is yes i let's. think the, that movie's, you know, millions and millions of dollars budget is justified by that intro sequence. That intro oh, sequence yes. is... Yes, let us talk about that intro. So mm. after after we, we see the initial opening, the comedian gets murdered by a mysterious figure. Um, and then we cut to this, like, montage set to Bob Dylan's The Times They Are A-Changin' as you are seeing oh these, God. like key moments of the history of this world and like the mm-hmm. rise of the first with like slight mer- like variations yes it's... yes oh, like how, how so everything good. gets like kind of tweaked a little bit as the series goes on uh or as as the as the timeline goes on mm-hmm. the like in particular on, yeah. um the the bomber that carries the atomic bomb in this universe is the miss jupiter with yeah, um, silk it's got Spectre that pinup pin image on, on it. it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with like the the silhouette, who's one of the Minutemen. She is the one who iconically kisses a nurse um, at, instead of a yeah, sailor. Instead of a sailor, yeah. so it's like 
this whole intro and then you see you know as as time goes on you like see these different little sequences that kind of show things changing and might not necessarily be clear to someone who's familiar with the source material like you see Rorschach as a kid before you know it's Rorschach as a kid. Right. It's um, pre- it's kind of like foreshadowing. And then they have, um, I think, the assassination of JFK is alluded very heavily. Basically, they say that um, the comedian right, that is the responsible key, that the for it. The comedian did it. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Amazing imagery. And then it shows kind of the disbandment of the Minutemen, whether, you know, um, Night Owl or no, Mouthman gets taken to a psychiatric yes. ward and Silhouette gets gets um murdered because she's a lesbian right, right. um and then i think the, it's the um, fucking saddest metropolis or like minute yeah. and a half character arc i've ever seen i know <laughs> i wanted so much more of her and they're like oh you're a lesbian you must die yeah, no, so I, I thought, yeah I would, tragic I would actually though. i would actually but, like a prequel with her. <laughs> yes but fun fact they show um there's actually also another scene where it's all the Minutemen and they're saying it's like the retirement party for a Silk Spectre, mm-hmm. and they have it set up to be the Last Supper, yes. and that's mad, mad imagery. It's so good, but they also show like throughout history after Silhouette kisses the the nurse in that iconic image where it's supposed to be the sailor. Yeah. The nurse is her partner until they die. Right, yeah. Which is another like, oh, that's so <laughs> sweet and so horrible because they stayed together that whole time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a wacky, big, great big imagery. I love it. Well, and yeah. you, know, um, you know, Zack Snyder loves using biblical imagery of various kinds. Absolutely. You know, he gets made fun of it. It's so easy to yeah, do, right. though. He gets made <laughs> it's fun everywhere. of it a lot. But, um, but I didn't think that. But it's, it's iconic. Yeah, and I thought the Last Supper thing worked pretty well in this one. It was beautiful because it's such a it's such a quick shot that if you're not thinking about it, you're like, oh, yeah. that's an interesting right. shot. And then if you see it over and over, you're like, oh my god, it's the Last Supper because you can see it because it's the the it's not a still, it's the image is still moving, but then it's slow motion, so you kind of like it dawns on you halfway through. A lot of it is great. is people getting photographs taken of themselves, so they're standing yes. still even though we're seeing them in motion, which is very close, like. Mm-hmm. Very Zack Snyder is definitely a movie director. You know? <laughs> like yes, he knows it's extremely that. stylized. Um, it, interestingly, mm-hmm. I believe in that Last Supper sequence, the comedian is sitting in the position of Judas. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Which, is uh, Which is like just perfect. perfect. Good, uh, good, perfect. good choice right there. Oh, it's just, it's a beautiful way to start the film. Yeah. It's it, it really I know that some people I've talked to her like wow it was really heavy-handed and I didn't care for it and I was like but it was so <laughs> artistically styled it was intended to be that way and I I loved yeah, it. I really I mean, appreciated it's, it. It's heavy-handed but it's also like that is in my opinion that's Zack Snyder's style, you know? Like Absolutely. It's, it's not his style Absolutely. is big. Like he's he is a a very in your face, you know. I think he got a start as a music video director, and like that absolutely. Oh yeah. the movie is basically you can see a that. music video. It's a you glorious know? music like, video. Um, yeah, you can definitely see that. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, so so visually, I think it's great. Um, it's I I will admit, I enjoyed the presence of Super Kung Fu, like as far <laughs> as the way the because uh, you know the way the fight scenes are choreographed, they're very extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I, I actually thought it, it worked perfectly for me. Um, I was yeah. like, yeah, no, they're superheroes. You know, one one yeah. of them can take on like eight people and beat them all up. 
Um, they zhuzhed it up, I think. You know, it still takes place in the 80s when they're in quote unquote present day for the film. Mm-hmm. But they're, the fight sequences in the in the graphic novel, we're going to do a little bit of a comparison. The, yeah. the fight sequences in the graphic novel, I wouldn't say that they were lacking, but it, it didn't have the same but there's energy. A, there's a very deliberate stylistic choice that was made with the Ooh, comic. Yeah. Um, I, yes. I remember for sure. Neil Gaiman commented on it as saying, they made this really interesting choice to draw everything wrong. Um, like there's there's a very specific style. <laughs> I love that. So, so this is getting heavy into the comic book more, but there's a very oh that's great. Um, superhero comics in particular have like very specific rules as to how they're drawn. Like there's very conventional mm. advice as mm-hmm. to like how you frame a character. A classic example is if someone punches somebody else, you don't show the point of impact. You show the follow through. Um, mm, because mm-hmm. if you show the point of impact, it actually looks weak. It doesn't look like, you know, Spider-Man right. you actually want the aftermath sucked of it. somebody. Mm-hmm. And in Watchmen, they just do oh, a I lot like of that. very weird stuff like that. Um, it's a lot of slow-mo. It's a lot of zoom-ins on punches and then the after yes. I mean, it's it's very stylized. And again, we come back to this is a very Zack Snyder style. Oh, yeah. He is very, very big into stark lighting contrast, really heavy, sh- like, um, lighting and sh- um, shadowing. Yes. And, like, blo- he, he makes his, um, his, his shots look like actual comic book stills. They do. They absolutely do. It's beautiful. Like, and I, and and I, I know ugh. that he, actu- he actually said, like, Technically, they had a script, but they just used the comic book on the set. Yeah, because why wouldn't you? (laughs) Yeah, it's already drawn out, written out, everything. Like, Like, why wouldn't you? They changed little bits here and there, but it was mostly, like, that's what they would refer to. So that level of, um, you know, loyalty is very impressive. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that the stuff that didn't really work for me um, in the film is that obviously the material itself is so dense and it's like, Oh God. Yeah. I've, I remember I've seen, uh, the movie described as it's kind of like the highlights of a mini series. Um, because the, <laughs> yeah. the story is episodic, you know? And it so is. it's like, it is for sure. So you wind up with these sequences that some of them are quite excellent, but they don't really have a lot of time to breathe. Um, mm-hmm. like, uh, a counter example of that is I think the Dr. Manhattan uh, Pruitt-Igo sequence is mm-hmm. unbelievable. Like like seeing Amazing. that and that combination of, of music and visual imagery, um, you know, is just is just perfect for that character. Mm-hmm. Like it's all music taken from. Um, are you familiar with this movie called Koyani Squatsi? Uh, the ooh, it's, it's, the name sounds familiar. yeah. It's it's like this very famous kind of weird. Um, is that is that Philip Glass? Yes, Philip Glass. Yes. Yep. Yes, it's, yep, yeah, yep. 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 So yeah. So the yep, the Philip yep. Glass score like just works yeah. incredibly well with the story of this. It really that does. Sees time all all simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think probably like. It's funny because this the story doesn't diverge too much from the comic. So I, most of my thoughts from the comic mostly apply to the film as far as story content goes. I, I really did love that um, that kind of Philip Glass vibe because I'm a big fan of Philip Glass. Mm. His music is very, very modal and very it, – it's, it's just really hard to describe. But his work is great and that is a really fun – I guess not fun, but that is a beautiful sequence to show how, you know, he's remembering 
his life and then his transformation and it's it's like it's pinging around with you know his memories because time is not linear for him it's it's a really beautiful the whole sequence. thing has this kind of mournful aura to it you know which mm-hmm. very much absolutely tracks for the story of this guy who's like totally trapped. absolutely um, yeah it's a horrific <laughs> thing that happens to him yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah so it, so yeah it's you know it's one of those things where it's like that that movie um i think the th- i do think structurally what falls down for me is just that it is a 12 part story and we're trying to tell it in two and a half hours <laughs> or something uh, like well it depends on what right, version yes. De- you watch but version. yes <laughs> Um, but yeah, that it's just, and it, and it truly is a, a 12 part story. Like it truly is a story it that is. works yeah. when you see everything as these like mm-hmm. discrete little sections yeah. that ultimately come all together. Yeah. It's not even chapters. It's truly additions because when we were talking about the graphic novel, he released it in small segments from 86 to 87. Right. So it really was intended to be installations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess um no, so so a big thought I kind of had at the time like I I would be curious to hear the reactions of somebody going into it completely blind today. Yeah. Because yeah. at the time the movie came out there hadn't been an Avengers, there hadn't been a Justice no, League. No, this like, predated all like of that. that there was mm-hmm. not. So it's kind of a it occupies a weird space because so much of Watchmen is a commentary on the superhero genre. Yeah, um and totally. including in the film, like a hundred percent in the film. But that then it's like it's criticizing something that at the time did not yet exist. You know, yeah. like yeah. The, yeah, that's a great in point. the filmscape, I mean. Like I guess I guess mm-hmm. there was technically X Men, but like there's literally a, a point where Yeah, but that was really early. You know, this is this I, I feel like you're right. This is a very different niche. Like DC comic world, they had the Batman like films that were coming up, but they were like um, Tim Burton style and it was more kind of goof em up like it wasn't the same vibe at all yeah and also like yeah. specifically you know I, I remember in the in the sequence where um, the team so in the movie the second superhero te- team is called the Watchmen and mm-hmm. in the flashback where you see them forming I think it's I can't remember one of the characters says something like yeah, I understand, you know, when we, like, we've had small team-ups before that worked, but having all of us together, doesn't this seem more like a publicity exercise than, like, Yeah, you know? I think Rorschach yeah, says right. that. Yeah, right, and so it, yeah, mm-hmm. so it seemed, it's one of those things that's kind of a commentary on how in mm-hmm. comic books. How that would actually be. Yeah, well, in, in yeah. comic books, like, they would often have, you know, teams like the Avengers aren't really, it's not really them all sitting there being like, you know who would be a really good uh, character to contrast Iron Man? Thor, the god of thunder. That makes Thor, total Thor. sense. You know? Yeah, a exactly. A guy in a robot suit and a Norse god. They, they make a perfect team. They seem to mesh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that actually almost makes me think of the boys a little bit where they show mm. the kind of dichotomy of like them literally being a publicity stunt and they're owned by a very large media corporation that like contracts them out for government stuff and things like that. Like that's kind of right, it's similar that kind vibe, of, it's that kind but not quite as corrupt. <laughs> yeah, well, the, of, the Watchmen for the most part are of? trying. They're tr- Well, 
maybe not the comedian, but they're trying. Ew. To, yeah. Um, oh my god. Yeah. So I guess uh, we could get into a little. Speaking of the comedian, Jeffrey Dean Morgan mm. is great. Oh. <laughs> he is Daddy Winchester for those who are Supernatural fans. A oh my yes. god, he's so rem- amazing I remember as the, the comedian. At the time the movie came out, his biggest role had been as like a heartthrob on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, that's um, right. And, and he has this tragic epic death, right? Yeah. And so you he know, sure I went to see it with some friends, yeah. and they were all like, "Oh, mm-hmm. you know, I think." I yeah, know. well, well, they were all kind of horrified to like go from you know, oh, he's this tragic, very different role to like he's this very vicious, different. brutal, you know, monster of a man. Like, um, yeah, I do actually. Oh. Uh, okay, so this is this is a bit of a, a trigger warning y um, space. Okay, trigger warning, um, y'all. But I have to say, the the attempted rape sequence is one of the most oh, so uncomfortable like oh my God. experiences yeah. I've ever had like um I think it is an example of like Zack Snyder and his team are good uh cinematographers because the yes. way oh man she is that scene was brutal well the way she's framed in the lead up to it like you mm-hmm. you see her you know getting undressed right and mm-hmm. you know I'm a heterosexual dude. She's a very good-looking lady. She's a very good-looking um, lady. But the way it's framed, like, it made me so uncomfortable. And I realized... That was the point. It was very <laughs> yeah, edgy. Yeah, well, and I realized, like, it is it is something to do with the, with the technique of the way the camera is mm-hmm. looking at her. Because it is seeing her from the comedian's Absolutely. perspective. And it's, yep. it's gross and predatory <sighs> and, like... It's yep. an, and there's a yep. there's a very interesting um, kind of, I guess you could say, science to the like the way people are framed in film. Obviously, this is you know film mm-hmm. film one hundred and one, right? Yeah, you're you're trying to get a response out of people, and he and Zack Snyder absolutely oh, did that with the well, scene, especially with the way that things were framed. Yeah, yes. well, and that like the the subject mm-hmm. matter itself, like you know, there yep. there like contrast that with. Uh, like say contrast that with some of the sequences he did with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman where mm. she looks mm-hmm. powerful and beautiful you know like where you're really yep. supposed to be admiring oh, Gal Gadot. her mm. um, versus yeah. with this it's like you are, you are made keenly aware of her characteristics in a really not good way <laughs> like, yeah you know. yeah totally um, and then of course the sequence itself is ugh. Like, it's brutal. It is a. It is a. It's heavy brutal. One, you know. Yeah, I think. Um. Again, another little bit of a comparison, but I think I. I'm not gonna say liked. I appreciated the representation in the film more than I did mm. in the comic, and the reason for that was because she puts up way more of a fight <laughs> because she is a Minuteman, like she is an actual like superhero fighter, so she actually can throw a punch and she does yes. and it's solid yes and she can handle herself oh, that is a yeah that is a great that is a great point and i would say it's it's yes. actually something um snyder does quite well with the choreography um mm-hmm. as far as like yeah. like that sequence in particular yeah it's it's absolutely like you said it's like she should be able to at she least go toe to toe with this yeah. guy and of course, you know, the yeah. comedian's bigger than him. He's than her. He's crazier than her. And he's also attacking her while she's, you know, vulnerable. Like he's got all the advantages. And also, 
it's her colleague. So there's obviously she's like, I don't want to beat the <laughs> shit out of somebody who I care yeah. about on like either a friendship level, romantic level, whatever so, you want yeah, to call I would, it. I would say that was so um, something that's actually nicely done in the movie is they have this mm-hmm. little flirty interaction beforehand. Right before. R- right before. Mm-hmm. And so it does it does foreshadow more like uh, I got I got that there might have been this like mutual attraction um, that hadn't been acted on and that like Eddie is a psycho, you know. <laughs> so yeah. so it's one of those things he is where it's broken. like if he if he just had something resembling a moral backbone decency he, he would have been <laughs> like, So yeah. Want to get coffee sometime? <laughs> Let's hook up, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, instead of instead just of doing just what he doing wanted. Whatever he wants because he's a nasty yeah. piece of work. Um, oh. Yeah, it was pretty rough because, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, we don't have to go too deep into the actual details because I know it is a pretty, like, for people who are triggered by this, it is a pretty traumatic scene. Yeah. Um, but there there were just so many things about it that I really appreciated from the perspective like that Zack Snyder brought to it. So, you know, she well, I'd say it he was advances and I mean as tasteful as that scene can right, be. But, but in, yeah. in, the, in the sense of at least at least from my perspective, I did not feel like the sequence was exploitative. But I I don't know. Like Yes, I it yeah. So I think for me what what really stood out was one that she was very much able to like she punches him yeah. dead in the face and she's like i said no that means right. no and then he tries to take advantage and she's like bam and she smacks him and then he's like oh that sucks and she's like okay i understand that you're probably upset by this and she's trying to like calm him yeah. down and then he kind of wails on her which this is all kind of on par with the the graphic novel but you know she's she's trying to fight back but he is hitting extremely hard. He is not pulling punches. And I and it you can see that struggle where she's trying to get consciousness back yeah. to fight for herself. And it's hard to do because he is wailing on yes. her. And it's well, and it's I, a lot. Something it's I a never, crazy scene. Uh, that's something you, you pointed out that I hadn't really considered before, but it does absolutely track is that like not only is he her colleague, he she he's somebody she was actually kind of flirting with beforehand. Like she yes, probably had right. There is some involvement there, mm-hmm. and then absolutely that, that be, before that, yeah. You know, God, ugh, that's conflict. Hard scene. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah. It's a really difficult scene, but they they did it in a way. And uh, honestly, I think the craziest thing about that scene is not just that it happened, but the way that they transition because that's a that that's a flashback memory mm-hmm. of, you know, quote unquote present day Silk Spectre where she's in the retirement facility. And so she has that flashback because she's looking at the photo and it's directly after that photo was taken. So it's the flashback of what happens. And then you juxtaposition that memory and it flashes immediately back to what she is in her current state. Mm-hmm. And she like is in a swivel chair and she she just turns around. She's like, every, you know, life is gritty, you know, and she's like, even like there's bad parts of the world. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what a crazy ass memory. And she still has that whole conversation that she's talking about how the past gets even brighter and the future, like the present and future is darker every day. But that's the memory that right. they're juxtapositioning that up against. And I'm like, that's what you think is a brighter <laughs> Like what? Yeah. Like it's it's crazy. Oh yeah, no, that's a that's an excellent Ooh. observation. Yeah, like that 
that whole idea, you know, that and obviously by the end of the story, we know why she has these incredibly mixed up feelings oh, yeah. about this guy. Absolutely. There's a lot of conflict um, there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the whole the whole idea of just like, you know, this unbelievably awful thing happened to her, but she's still sitting there being like, yeah, but that was back when my life was good. <laughs> like, yeah. When I was at my peak. Yeah. Which is crazy I, to think about, but I kind of get I it. Do, I, you know? I might have mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, but I do really like that in the movie, they explicitly have a scene where she's she's screaming with, at her first husband. Like they're having this shit, yeah. absolute screaming match. And like yeah. one of the things she keeps talking about is how she used to be a, a fucking hero, you know? I was a yeah, hero, goddammit. Yeah. And it's one of those things yes. where it's like, oh, yeah, she, of course she scene. has like really weird mixed up feelings about this because she was mostly doing it for money but then it was also like the height of her life and also like yeah she was the peak of her condition she was was a sex icon (laughs) she was helping people yeah there was a lot of things that were mixed into that mostly the money but there were a lot of other things that kind of she really was at at her peak at mm -hmm. that point absolutely yeah so rough (laughs) really rough and yeah they Oh, God, I just, Carla Gugino. Yeah, she's quite good. She's quite good in that. Oh, I don't know if you see, this is totally a tangent, but I don't know if you've seen um, Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. No, is she in that one? Oh, my God, she is, and she's wonderful (laughs) in it. If you haven't seen that, go and see it. It's on Netflix. It's an original. It was actually based on a short story, so if anybody wants to do an episode on that, hit me up, (laughs) because I would love to. Um, It's really spoopy and real pretty, and I love it, and she's in it, and she's great, but I just can't say enough about her. She, I, hands down, one of my faves of of the characters in in the Mm. film adaptation. I just, mm, she's beautiful and creamy and (laughs) Like I said, crazy eyes and yeah. love it. Well, the can't whole, get enough. You know, the whole cast is pretty is pretty good in my opinion. I I think there's only one or two mm-hmm. that are not, like a hundred percent crazy about. Ooh, um, who were you not crazy about? Oh, um, uh, well, I'm not even not crazy about him, but the fellow who plays Ozymandias. <gasps> really? I, oh, look, I don't think he's bad. And this is <laughs> this is definitely this is getting into a comparison. Oh um, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. But. In the comic, the way he's drawn, he has this very benign affect to him, which is supposed to kind of mm. contrast with how cold-hearted he can truly be. Yeah. But, like, he smiles yeah, yeah. a lot. You know, he has this very classical kind of square-jawed look to him. Very Ken doll look. Yeah, yeah, a little bit Ken doll. And I think the mm-hmm. char- the actor, I don't, again, I don't actually think he does a bad job, but I think... It's a little too obvious too early that Ozzy isn't on the level. Um, that like, and part of mm. it's some aesthetic choices, like the the way they did his suit. I don't actually dislike, but it does kind of look like a bad guy's outfit. Like they make it this kind of. They like, do you know, a like, little bit, yeah. They do kind of heavy hand um, that a little. And bit. I know it was a, mm-hmm. a big commentary on the the Joel Schumacher Batman movies uh, that Batman has nipples in those movies. <gasps> Not um, the nipples. And so Ozzy has <laughs> nipples. <laughs> I it's I got a little bit of the nipple. I going. will say mm-hmm. I do uh, I do like Ozzy Mandias gay icon. I think is actually kind of a great <laughs> little detail. Like uh, or and uh, like Andy Warhol has paintings of the Watchmen. You know, yes like, yes i love the historical references that they kind of meld yes. into it it is very clever and the actor who plays ozymantius is matthew good mm. um 
he yeah he's again i want to stress he's not a bad actor he's just okay i think the character is a little bit too sinister too early Mm, they do make him very uh off-putting early on i will I say i did like there's a little detail that he speaks with an accent when he's in private he does um, and i'm not sure why he's british in real life and i don't know if they were trying to make him like eastern european so is, or i i this don't is what know I read, um <laughs> a long time ago is that matthew good talked about how he and Zack snyder developed you know it's it's a film right so it's it's their adaptation mm-hmm. so that the backstory they developed for him, um, which is cool because it's actually kind of a nod to one of the other uh, Charlton Comics characters. Oh, um, cool. But the backstory they developed for him is that he's, uh, I think he's supposed to be East German and his parents mm, were war criminals. Okay. And that they oh, like managed to, you know, escape after the war and that's where all his money came from. And that's why Ooh. he gets rid of all his money as a young man. Like he tells people. Right. Oh, it was to prove that I could make a difference without their money. But it's actually Mm -hmm. because he feels incredibly guilty that he's like a literal Nazi money. You know, he literally profited (laughs) off of a genocide. Um, Yeah, I think think it's a good interpretation of the character. I like Um, that. I mean, I don't like it. That's really (laughs) clever, though. I mean, it's it's not something to like per se. It it adds an interesting dimension, and in particular, that he part of his drive is is redemptive, and then he Mm -hmm. winds up committing a genocide that's almost as bad as what his parents were but it's for the greater good yeah um, yeah the great are good <laughs> the great the great are good uh yeah Ooh, that's a really interesting little tidbit i like that i think that actually makes me like his character more having that backstory in there because they don't touch on that yeah at all no and then the the source material Interesting. yeah yeah so yeah or the source material um, yeah yeah i love the cast i love everybody involved um oh i think malin ackerman's a little weak <laughs> so she plays the second silk Spectre. yeah I, I, um it's a really she... hard part <laughs> it is i feel like we kind of talked about this in the first episode that her character her character in the graphic novel is a little bit more, not whiny, but a little bit more like I'm a woman and I'm aggressive about things for weird reasons that aren't explained. Yeah. Whereas in the film version, I don't know, she has a little bit more control over her emotions, but at the same time, she is definitely not the focal point. She's She is the sexual focal oh, yeah. point. <laughs> um, and that's about it. But she's, I, I think she, I liked how they portrayed her persona as far as not being like this, I'm angry at all the men. Because right. the, the comic book kind of felt that way a yeah. little bit. But yeah, she definitely is like kind of a stereotypical sex symbol. I mean, she's a beautiful that woman. That is 100% true. And there's, yes. And there's some really, I mean, her costume is just like drool. <laughs> it's delicious. Um, And then they have like, oh my God, can we just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just talk about the slow motion sex scene and the set in, to in Hallelujah? The... Oh my God! Can we? Okay, can we just talk about that for a second? What, okay. What do you so, think? Um. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. I love me some slow motion sexy scenes, especially when there's pretty beautiful people in them. However. Why that song? So, I, this is something else I read. Why? I, I personally, I think it's perfect. Why? 
um, uh, Zack Snyder talked about how they chose that rendition of Hallelujah per- in particular. <laughs> it's my least favorite because one. Because it's so dorky. I because hate this is it. Such I hate a, it so much. This is much. such a dorky like sequence, you know, like the whole. It really the is. Whole, it's so heavy. Yeah, well, and just like it should be kind of goofy and awkward because, like, it, think about it. Yeah, you know, Night Owl. Think about it. Yeah, Zack Snyder said Night Owl can't get it up unless he saved a bunch of people. <laughs> like, yeah, that's so and that's true for the comic too. Yeah, so it's this uh, totally. Yeah, it's this totally like. It shouldn't, or or at least I I dig the interpretation that it shouldn't really feel like. And now, at last, the two lovers are the sexy to, you bitch. Know, Ooh, I hope you're getting <laughs> hot and bothered during this sequence. Yeah, exactly. Um, and instead, it's, it's just oh, and man. and like you said, you know, both those actors are pretty pretty attractive, very good know, looking, like, very good looking um, people. So so just I actually think it's a master. Hey, master stroke on Zack Snyder's part as far as just completely undercutting this moment by giving you the silliest, you know, the fourth, the fifth, the minor chord. I know. I mean, okay, here's the thing. I adore that song, song. but not that version. And which is ironically, that's the original version. And I hate... (laughs) that version so much because it is so dorky and i just i've heard so many other versions that are so much more beautiful and like emotionally packed and that one is just it's, oh. i think it's it's very much of the era it was recorded in like it's very it's very absolutely um, not not my jam i love that song but not the oddly enough not the original it and, it, uh, and i johnny yeah. cash's version of hurt there is no other version of her. <laughs> I mean, there is. But other. I love the Nine no, Inch Nails really version. Good, That's the original. <laughs> I know, it's Johnny Cash's song. Now. I know. <laughs> I but it isn't. Yeah. But it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. No, that actually is a really good version. Yeah. But um, I yeah, it that oh, and, whole scene when the was just so goes funny off. and dumb. <laughs> oh yeah, she's like, I'm gonna orgasm, flamethrower. I'm like, wow. And I think that that's not obvious again, at all. I think that silliness <laughs> really works for. Oh yeah. No, that part was I funny. Will say for sure. I actually think Night Owl's outfit looks kind of cool in this version. Dude, right? <laughs> it looks way all of their costumes. I think they they kind of zhuzhed them up a little bit for the film, and I like yeah. the I, adjustments. Rorschach was the only one who was really just on par, which because it's epic and yeah, simple. Yeah, no, it's a. Um, I will I say I was a little sad. I I get why they did it. I was a little sad not to get the comedian into his gimp mask. Because, yeah, I can see why they didn't yeah, do that. Well, though. because it, it would take everything away from. Um, uh, I'm sorry, what's that actor's name again? Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, it would it would take everything away from his his physical expression. So we do mm-hmm. we do lose the idea like in the in the comic because we're we're pretty much in comparison mode right now, right? Um, yeah, well, we're uh, there for in sure. In the comic, you know, when he gets disfigured, he really gets disfigured. Like his face yes. is messed drastically. Up. I mean, it is messed. Um, yeah, and versus for sure. in the movie, like it's a nasty scar, but it's not necessarily something. But it's not a disfigurement, or it's not something he would like. You know, be concerned about people seeing. You him. can still see the scar, but it's not like his face is so far gone that you're like, I can't see your face yeah. anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mm-hmm. thought, I thought he obviously he's great, and yeah, yeah. I think all the all the outfits are great. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Okay, so this is a little uh, uh, to to follow up on uh, on the sex scene. <laughs> there is a uh, a presence in the film that uh, mm-hmm. looms large, one might say, over discussions. Is it blue? Yes. <laughs> so Doctor Manhattan is it glowing and blue and of the large you variety? Doctor Manhattan's uh, big blue dick. His dingling a ding dong. I. Is very present. I I have to admit, when I first saw it, like you know, obviously I I noticed it, but I was just like, oh yeah, he walks around naked, you know, like he's, and the I end. didn't really yeah. like at the time, but it was it was quite funny seeing people's reactions. Um, as far as like there were a lot, of, I mean, obviously, you know, there's not a lot of mainstream mainstream American cinema with like full frontal male nudity with male yes. genitalia, yeah, female. All over the place. Male is actually quite obscure, which there is are, Americans there are prudes. weird rules about it. Um, <laughs> there are like weird there, rules. There's a lot of I don't really know how they got away with it. I think because he's an animated character, <laughs> but it's it's CG. Therefore, is it so? Then somebody had to draw a CG penis. So it is. That's my favorite thing to think about. <laughs> the Doctor Manhattan's body is based on the physique of a real bodybuilder. Um, I, oh, I don't doubt I that. I haven't done any research on the subject matter. Nor have um, I. It's not Billy Crudup's real penis nor in his, blue. Nor his awesome <laughs> pecs. Oh, <laughs> I'm so disappointed. I love yeah, Billy no, Crudup. He's great. Uh, and no, no comment <laughs> upon his physique. I've never seen him actually naked except when he was blue. He's a good-looking gentleman. You know. Um, he is a good-looking gentleman. As yeah, well. but uh, which which he huh. is quite good as Doctor Manhattan. I loved him as Doctor Manhattan. Um, in, I really did in like him. In particular, I think he does a he does a very nice job. Like those roles can be very challenging. The sort of Mister Data, yeah. Mister Spock, like emotionless. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think he did an excellent job of portraying like how once he is Doctor Manhattan, he is almost always tranquil, but that doesn't mean stuff isn't going on. Right. No, he did a really good job. I think he. When they do the flashbacks of him as his human form before he gets transformed into Doctor Manhattan, mm-hmm. it he he has such a beautifully cute face that you like have the the humanization of him and then his transformation. His voice is very zen, so it's really nice to listen to him talk. He seems so innocent when he's human. Like he does it. It it really is that like Clark Kent vibe as mm-hmm. far as like just being yeah. kind of a decent you know little dorky but not like. You know, not like Night Owl dorky, mm-hmm. like, but like, but just like sincere, yeah, just very, a very yeah. sincere guy. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is a huge bummer, uh, his whole thing. I know. And then, uh, well, we've we've put him off enough. The big man Jackie Earl Haley is Rorschach. Hey, always going to be a highlight. They did such a good job. <laughs> I know he is. I think the best casting yes. besides Jeffrey yeah, Dean Morgan. Yes. I think those two are by far. My all-time favorite picks because they did such a good job with embodying those. No characters. offense intended to Jackie Earl Haley, but he really looks like a rat in that film. And I think <laughs> it is perfect. But it's spot oh, on. Yeah. Like he looks, he's <laughs> he's got so on. much intensity, and I know I re- I yes. read a little bit about like how he is actually a Kenpo guy. Like he does martial arts. 
Right, right. But he decided not to actually use Kenpo style because he didn't think Rorschach would know or utilize an actual like right. real martial art. It would be more yeah, scruffy. Yeah, Rorschach would be like- I did read he, that too. It would too. be more just mm-hmm. pure intensity, you know? And I think yeah, the, the fight scenes really show that. Which I love that. Um, oh, they're there's genius. A, there's I love a lot it. Of nice, again, we keep coming back to the choreography because I think it is one of the things that's more present in the film, obviously. Um, What's well, the visual dynamic of it all? I mean, it, again, this is a Snyder yes. classic of visual dynamic. He's so good at it. Yeah. So um, good at it. Yeah, but like, you know, the contrasts of like how Rorschach fights versus how Night Owl fights versus how Ozymandias fights, yeah. you know, like all that. Mm-hmm. Their confrontation, I actually I actually like a little bit better in the movie. I do too. It made more sense. Yeah, well, I thought I felt like it was that same a little bit of uh, similar vibes um to as you pointed out with like we we get to see Silk Spectre actually puts up a fight. And yes. in this one, like I feel, yes. I felt like I truly believed that Night Owl and Rorschach were like two of the top tier unarmed combatants in the world, and Ozzy can they're putting everything they can at him, and Ozzy Mandius can just wipe the just floor that step with above. Them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. that it's is great really, scene. I think that that whole thing, like that, he can block every single one of their punches and like leap around, and you know, and, and he's not even breaking a sweat. You know, no. Like, yeah, it's it's a classically but, good scene. I mean, all the fight don't sequences look are pretty stellar. Is the main thing like they? No, look all of them are really good. Just, yeah, just body and he's just a leagues above them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's just, it's this beautiful choreography, and I did want to. <laughs> this is very yeah. random, but Patrick Wilson plays um, Night Owl, and I just I just giggle every time because he is also the only other thing that I actively remember him in before I saw Watchmen is he is Raul in the live action Phantom of the Opera. Oh, that is. <laughs> That's actually him singing oh, wow. too. Oh, he's a very talented guy. <laughs> so it just makes me I, giggle because I'm like, oh my god, it's such a different yeah, role. Yeah, I I do remember uh, reading. Was Gerard Butler in it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I've, I've seen that one. Yep. Yeah. Um. Oh my god. Yeah. So that's like the only other thing I really remember him being. That in. really true. <laughs> It it took me forever to put that together because they make him look so dorky with the glasses right, and, and the hair, hair and his and outfit and he and then I just like was staring at him I was like God you look familiar why do you look so familiar and then I went and googled I was like Oh, oh my yeah. God well, that's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of actors like that um, I that's do amazing. I do remember a little bit of trivia like him expressing him saying like as he was preparing for it. Uh, he was really disappointed because, you know, he got the call that he was cast as a superhero. So he's like, all right, I'm going to get mm. in really good shape. I'm going to hit the gym. And they're like, no, you have to be no, a fat buddy. superhero. <laughs> You're going to have to eat be some, overweight. some fried chicken and ice cream. Like, Beef up you know, in the kitchen. other way. <laughs> Everybody else is hitting the weights. You got you to gotta take it Not easy. you, though. Oh, no. Uh, I know. The one excuse that you would normally want. And you're like, oh, I have to bulk up. Yeah, well, way. I think I think mm. for actors in particular, like it's one of those things where a lot of them you know it's like oh man like becoming a gym rat is my job for six months like this is great right (laughs) dude wouldn't that be wild yeah you know yeah um yeah but i i think he's quite good and and like we said earlier like i'm not upset by the change 
but mm-hmm. I think it is kind of funny to like compare and contrast. In the comic, he has the dorkiest outfit you could ever come up with. He's so dorky. And then in the movie, it's like actually kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of baller. Like... Yeah. I, I will say that Patrick Wilson as Night Owl, he brought a lot more charm to the character, mm-hmm. I think. He was a very, like, because his character is like a very sweet, genuine, gentle character for also kind of having a glutton for wanting to have, you know, spats and spars and stuff, and he wants that action yeah. in his life. Yeah, well, he has, a, he has this, like we were talking about a little earlier, like he has this mm-hmm. deep desire in him that is personified yeah. in the Night Owl. You know? Exactly. Yeah, so he's got like his sweet, sensitive side for his, you know, day to day. And then we were talking about this earlier where, you know, owls are predatory, like apex predators, yes. right? So you've got that kind of flip side where he is an apex predator as Night Owl, but he's the sweet, sensitive side as, as his normal everyday wear. And it's, I think he captured that yeah, really and well. I, would, I really enjoyed right. that. Right, and I would say, like, I think it's obviously there's th- that interesting contrast of, like, when you're reading your kind of performing the characters versus seeing how an mm-hmm. actor portrays them. Yeah. And it, like you said, yeah, the totally. sweet side, like, it was another thing where it was like... Oh, I I get why Lori's into him. Like, I get why. Yeah, he's just really cute. And he's just like the guy next door kind of vibe. And he's got like the Ken doll look as well. And it's he's just very, very cute. And I can see the appeal more in the film. In, In the graphic novel, he seemed like he was a little bit too old for Lori's yeah. character and was too like McGee. Yeah, there, there's for a me. little bit of a. I don't want to go too hard on him because I don't think he's supposed to be like that dark, but there is a little bit of the like awkward nerdy pervert vibe. Just a bit. <laughs> in the in yeah, the comic borderline. in a way that like I think in mm-hmm. the in the film adaptation like it's clear that he's a guy with some pretty intense desires, but they are Right, and he He's respecting her space and her boundaries because she just went through yeah. a breakup. He's not like, ooh, I'd tap that now that she's free. Like, there's none of that kind of gross, like, predatory vibe in the film. And he actually is respectful. Yeah. And yeah, so I would say it's, I, like, I did it's appreciate one of those that. things that I think that the movie does quite well um, as far as, mm-hmm. like, showing that it's, like you said, like, it's not... It's definitely a thought that is occurring to him because he's obviously had a huge oh, yeah. crush on her because for a really long time. Yeah, for a while. Yeah. And she's beautiful. And now she's single. So, yeah, the... duh. We're going to be thinking <laughs> yeah, about that. Yeah. He like, shows a little, a little chivalry yeah. there. Um, mm-hmm. I will dare to Uh-oh. criticize <laughs> an element of Jackie Earl Haley's performance. <gasps> no I, say it again, ain't so I, what's wrong with Mr. i love him i Jackie. love him um but i mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. like the directing and acting choices made during his interview with the psychologist um, Ooh, beca- okay what about it in the in the movie it is very clear that he is being sarcastic and like he, mm-hmm. he changes the pitch yeah. in his voice a lot very more snippet. um versus mm-hmm. in the comic like i think think i'd have to go through it but his speech bubbles almost never have any words bolded and people talk about how rorschach speaks in a monotone right like it's very rare for him to raise his voice and so in the in the film like having him be all sarcastic and kind of nasty i thought didn't work compared to like in the book i could believe that the psychotherapist character um who we didn't really talk about but who i think he's really interesting Mm -mm. um but we can believe that that character 
would like think he's starting to make a breakthrough with Rorschach would like think that, you know, oh, he's just this very troubled guy. You know, he obviously has like these kind of big mental problems. He's kind of childlike. And then he finds out mm-hmm. when he's when Rorschach's finally like, all right, you want to know who I really am? You know, like, strap in, buddy. Strap yeah. in, because you're going to yeah. hear about children being fed to dogs. <laughs> Hooray! Such a happy story. Uh, Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah mm-hmm. So that, that little bit I didn't like as much. That sequence is still great, though. Like, it, it is still... Oof. It is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I will say one of my favorite cinematography styles of a scene was after Rorschach is in, he's captured by the police and is in prison and they've got the whole like the prison inmates are getting ready for a Mm. coup because one of the inmates, um, he threw oil on him and he's about to die and all that stuff that Rorschach did. So they're going to use that as a momentum to create, (laughs) you're locked in here with me. Yeah, that's an epic scene. That aside, but um, my favorite scene is that um, it's the it's the one kind of mob bossy guy yes. with the two guys that are trying to help break into Rorschach's uh, yeah, cell. Um, that does not go well. Um, it's what's his name? I oh, can't... I think he's the he's the big figure, isn't he? Or no, he's oh. yeah, the big, I think fig- he is the big yes, figure. That is uh, him. Which yeah, I think I, I might so, have been wrong when I mentioned earlier. No, they might have the same name. Um, the, the, there's a Marvel, there's a Marvel uh, Spider-Man villain. I think you're right. I think it is that was. They might have the same name, and if they don't, they're one of them's called like Mister Big. Very and close. The other is called the Big. Yeah. Figure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that scene where you know the two guys that are helping him end up deceased, yes. <laughs> and then um he gets the door open and he's like your turn and the guy runs for his life because he's like oh shit he's gonna kill me now because now he's out in the open so that's where he like goes to like rorschach goes to the therapist's or the psychiatrist's office and says where's my face (laughs) and it's great and so he grabs his mask and gets his costume and this is where laurie and dan are like we're gonna save you and he's like thanks i don't need it (laughs) and so then he's like i got a hot hot second i gotta go to the bathroom (laughs) So that scene where he, the um, the mob boss guy has run into the bathroom to hide yes. and Rorschach goes in, they have this amazing cinematic scene where the door is one of those like you push yes. the door open and it swivels. It's not, it's not, it's like on a loose hinge where it goes back and forth. And so he pushes the door open and you see the guy cowering in the corner of the bathroom and then as the door is like flipping back and forth it gets you know the 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 gap gets smaller and smaller and then you see Rorschach get closer and closer and then you see blood coming out from underneath the door and it's just such a good scene oh my god and that's not in the graphic novel really he goes into the bathroom they wait a second and then he comes out yeah it's in the in the graphic novel it's actually it's more played for laughs in a very dark way like yeah and they don't they don't show anything they just show there's blood coming out from the door but they don't show show anything beyond that that that, oh my god that was (laughs) such a good scene and it was so cinematically like tense and gritty and you're like oh shit this is gonna go down and you don't see any of the gore or the horror of it all but you can Ooh, you totally yeah. know what's going on oh <laughs> such a good i just like there's so many things like that in the film that just kind of make me geek out from like the cinema aspect of it i just yeah mm, no, it's, mm, it's, it's so well good i would say um another mm-hmm. uh change is 
I like that Night Owl sees Rorschach die and has an actual yes. Ooh, I'm glad you that, brought that up because in the comic, yes, book, it's just him and Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, and nobody, nobody else. El- nobody yeah. else sees what goes on, and like I, I get the choice in the comic where uh, Night Owl and Laurie um, wind up having sex together, and they're like they're they're both. Yeah, well, they're both distraught and they find comfort in each other and their their shadow on the wall kind of looks like Rorschach's mask and then also kind of looks like the uh, the Hiroshima lover silhouettes that have been spray painted everywhere. Yeah, in the Um, graphic novel, yeah. Like, I don't think that's that's not like a bad uh, moment, but I do feel frustration that like we don't we don't really see what Night Owl's reaction is to Rorschach's death. Yeah. Versus in the movie, like. I like the convert, the confirmation that Dan cared about Rorschach and that yes. he, he genuinely Yes, he's the only <laughs> one who really yeah. did. Yeah. And Absolutely. I, I, I don't hate it, but I do think it is a little bit uh indulgent catharsis to have him beat up Ozymandias afterwards while Ozymandias I I think the scene is done well, um like in particular mm-hmm. like he he sees Rorschach die. He goes sprinting back in. He starts very beating the hell out mm-hmm. of Ozymandias, and Ozymandias doesn't resist. And then at a certain point, right? He takes yeah, he it. He takes it, and yeah. then at a certain point, Dan is like shouting at him to, you know, he's basically shouting at him to fight back um, because he knows mm-hmm. he couldn't actually have ever achieved this. Yeah. Um, so I don't, yeah. I don't think that's bad, but it was one of those moments that I did feel like. All right, but you're just you're putting this in there for us as audience members to not feel like Ozymandias completely got away with it. Yeah, it's a little fancy. Yeah, versus yeah. with the within the comic book, like I think one of the things that I enjoy is it's a little bit more subtle um, as far mm-hmm. as like it feels like Ozymandias got away scot free, and whether or not he did, like yeah. that's supposed to make you kind of uncomfortable. Absolutely. I will say that with Dan seeing Rorschach die, I enjoyed that part because it gave it. it, it I giggle a little bit. It makes me think of like the Mad Max Fury Road, where like witness yes. me, and like that's that's kind of the vibe where it's like somebody witnessed him at the end of his life, and it wasn't for yes. nothing. You know, like it wasn't just like he was there and then he wasn't there and everything just carries on like nothing happened. Like Dan was there to witness him and was really distraught and was just horrified. Go out with courage, you know, like that it's not necessary. You can, right, you can make whatever judgments you want about, you know, I think part of the point Mm -hmm. of the comic or of of the entire story um, is obviously that like figuring out exactly where you stand on the mm-hmm. grand finale yeah. is supposed to be this like ambiguous complicated thing yeah, but as far totally. as like seeing you know it is this it is a moment it is a big um kind of triumphant moment for Rorschach to stare god in the eye and just be literally like, yeah know, and be like fuck you yeah, yeah. raise the yeah. last middle finger to armageddon <laughs> mm-hmm. yes yeah. yeah and i th- i th- i really appreciated that because again we've kind of touched on dan and rorschach's characters are they that's really the only true bond that rorschach shares and it is also true in yeah. the film 
but I, I liked that extra layer that they added in the film where not only did he see him die, but he had true emotion and distress yeah, that he, around that this that. guy wasn't just contemptible you know or, yeah. or that like no it it was you know like i think that's a it's a very moving thing you know that like rorschach mm-hmm. has lived his whole life being at war with the world and the only person he wasn't right at, and nobody yeah. has seen him and yeah. and i think it also it makes him taking off his mask at the end like a really a really big moment Huge. because it's you know, Huge Night Owl is not mourning Rorschach's psychopathy. He's mourning him as a human. You know? <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. He's not mourning him as Rorschach. He's mourning him as a man who was destroyed kind of unnecessarily. Yeah. Or, um, in some yeah, ways. Yeah. In some yeah. ways, definitely. Or or at least that, like, as Rorschach himself says, he's one more body on the pile for Utopia, you know? Yeah. But and and Dan really has a very strong moral compass in the film, especially where I feel like in his eyes, Rorschach really wasn't innocent, you know. So that is a that's a huge issue for him as well. I think as a character mm-hmm. where he was killed, but he wasn't the bad guy. Like technically, Ozymandias, he's the one that wreaked more havoc, and Rorschach paid the price. And it's an interesting yeah. twist. And I, it is. I like it. Is that. yeah, it is this interesting thing as far, especially as far as like the whole. You know, the whole morality of, like, the obligation of the truth, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, how, like what is it, a, a beautiful lie versus an ugly truth and all of that, you know, all yeah. of that business. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other, like, really big moments in the film. Oh, I would say there are some some funny little tweaks they did to specific dialogue um oh yeah like in in particular the one i thought was actually kind of clever is in the Ooh. comic when ozymandias uh has his showdown with night owl and rorschach and uh, mm-hmm. you know he explains his master plan and very famously oh, night owl oh yeah right and very mm-hmm. famously night owl says you know well when were you you know he's like i'm God, you must be nuts. Like, I'm glad we got to you before this got any further. Like, when were you going to do this? <laughs> mm-hmm. And Ozymandias very famously says, I'm not a Republic serial villain. I did it 35 <laughs> minutes ago. I executed and, it 35 minutes ago. Uh, so, so he says he's not a, a villain from Classic. movie serials. In the film, he says he's not a comic book villain. <laughs> because, I love that. Comic so meta. A comic so a movie meta. Like, a, I loved that. I loved yeah. that so much. Yeah, uh, there's yeah, some we, really great stuff We didn't stuff mention in there. it, but I do also think they, you know, the whole the whole thing is obviously well written. But Ozymandias has some great mm-hmm. one liners. Like I, I great one liners. Particularly mm-hmm. like the little bit where. Uh, not, you know he's Ozymandias has just like kicked the crap out of Silk Spectre and Night Owl's like if oh, you yeah. hurt her all and Ozymandias just says oh Daniel do grow up <laughs> grow up yeah <laughs> calm down you child yeah I know there's some really great I think he, yeah I think he really does portray some really great like I'm above you and I'm above this shenanigans so just mm-hmm. chill out like he he does have that air about him oh uh i was gonna say i feel like those moments in particular are a little bit of the mask slipping for ozymandias a little Um, bit Mm -hmm. and like like it's not that i think he's a true maniac like i think he does genuinely regret killing people 
he didn't want to do it, but he really truly believed it was the only yeah, way. Yeah, and I think it, and I think it is yeah. part of his psychology. Like I think it is, it is one of those weird things, those weird psychological things where like somebody kind of secretly reveling in taking this moral mm-hmm. fault upon like he he's kind of he's got kind of a martyr complex right like that he's a little bit or, or yep. an inverted yeah. martyr complex where he's like i'm the only one strong enough to do this terrible thing mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a martyrdom and god yeah. complex all kind of rolled Which, into one huh, he named himself weird combo. after a famous god king <laughs> Weird! What a coinky dink! <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but so so like in particular in the the there's uh, parallel sequences in the film and in the comic, but where he uh, basically poisons all of the people who have been working on his secret project, like his most loyal. Um, in the yeah. in the film, it's his scientist team, and in the comics, it's his a group of servants he has. Um, but mm-hmm. like he's you know he raises a toast with them and then tells them his life story. But of course, he's poisoned the champagne, and he's basically lecturing a bunch of dead men. They're dead. You know? Yep. They're dead. And afterwards, mm-hmm. he does. He has the dignity to apologize to them. But I'm not sure that means I... all that much. Does that mean much when they're already dead? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like I'm so sorry I killed you, even though you're dead and can't say mm-hmm. anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, interesting. Very interesting. I will say I'm going to switch yeah. gears a little bit. I think the biggest divergence of the film and the graphic novel is how the cataclysmic event occurs. Yes. What do you think of that? Ooh, yes. So, okay. I saw the film first before I read the graphic novel. Oh, okay. Okay, interesting. So when I saw the film, I was like, dang, that's crazy. I really Mm -hmm. liked it. And then when I heard about what the ending of the graphic novel was, I hadn't read it, but I just heard about it. I was like, that is so dumb. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, of course it's a very, yeah, gigantic alien squid gets dropped on New York and just dis- decimates mm. millions of people. And I was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, of course, it's it's a, it's a comic book. So, of course. But then when reading mm-hmm. it, fully reading it, and this was years later, honestly. Yeah reading the graphic novel and then going back and watching the film it it just made more sense actually from the graphic novel perspective yes i have to i have to say that is a a change i understand because one of the things the comic book plays with is the idea that like the plan is completely out of left field like there are these very yes. subtle hints about what's going on but it's not something that's like mm-hmm. truly foreshadowed like you, you do see no. these like mysterious yeah. little cr- clues about what the creature is, um, but it's mm-hmm. being very deliberate that it's like, yeah, of course you wouldn't know the supervillain's ultimate plan, and it would come across as like totally crazy and unexpected. Yeah, that was the like, whole point. He's like, I'm not going to give you my master plan because I've already <laughs> yeah. done it. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the ingenuity um, of it. But that the the problem with the film version that I have, like, I think it's I think it's more palatable to a general audience. But the problem is that Doctor Manhattan is a U.S. asset, and so like yeah. like if he nukes yeah. Moscow, even if the Russians are getting reports that he nuked a bunch of other places, their first response mm-hmm. is probably going to be to attack. You know, right? Versus yeah, in so the, that's in the comics yeah. since it's just New York and the surrounding environment. It's like. Oh, it is one attack, and it is one attack on one side, and it is very clearly yeah. not 
a Russian, you know, nuclear strike. So that's like yeah. that seems it seems like the plan actually working uh, mm -hmm. would make more sense with that, even though it's, you know, it's, of course, completely bizarre to have a giant squid. <laughs> like It is very bizarre. And I will say it's like you, you think of like the focal point of it's either everybody goes against an alien like aggressor mm -hmm. or everybody goes against Dr. Manhattan. So you have kind of the same outcome. You're, they're focusing on like this is now the yeah. threat. So I can kind of see where they got that. But I now having kind of seen both sides of it, I'm not as fond of the film ending as far as like making Dr. Manhattan where they, you know, he, uh, Osmantius creates a bomb essentially that looks like it's Dr. Manhattan that created I that explosion. I think the acronym for it is SQUID. Is it really? I th yeah, I think if you like do a freeze frame, it's called the like <gasps> seismic oh quantum my... unified something <gasps> something, you know. Oh my yeah, gosh! I'll have to go back and watch that. I didn't yeah, notice Zach that Snyder at all. Fucking loves that comic book. Like, That's you know, like very clever. Oh, I love that. Um, <gasps> I'm gonna have yeah, to go back yeah, and watch that. Yeah, I didn't do, even do notice the, that. Do a freeze frame to make sure I'm not. Talking yes. About my hair, but, oh, that's yeah. super clever. Okay, I kind of dig that. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Um, but yeah, very very different ending. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've got any other big uh, big thoughts about the the film version or the con the contrast between the two. Yeah, I mean, I think overall it it just again this is a classic theme that you and I have talked about many an Alan Moore <laughs> piece that it is really hard to render yes. his work in any other format than what it currently is in. It's just it's just so dense and i will say this till the cows come home it is so well, it's, dense <laughs> it's something he's talked about a lot you know like he's a lot. so this is a funny little thing um is like he's talked a lot in the past about how he doesn't like he's he's said more than once that like part of what he and dave gibbons were doing with the comic was working with that medium and trying to use it in a very specific way to see and, like, show the kinds of stories you can tell in that medium that you kind yeah, of can't totally. tell in others. That, like, Watchmen doesn't yeah. really, like, probably wouldn't work as well as a prose novel and probably wouldn't work as well as a film. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and yet, yet, here we are. are. Um, and, and I'm actually somewhat <laughs> fond of the film. But uh -huh. um, uh, very famously, in some ways, he, yeah. Uh, in, the, in the lead up, like, in the production, he claimed to cast curses on it um, I curse upon your house there's a very funny fan <laughs> comic because the release of the movie was delayed quite a bit and there's a very funny mm -hmm. fan comic that's the the panels of Ozymandias when he finds out the plan works and says I did it but it's redrawn to be Alan Moore standing in front of a TV talking about the film being <laughs> delayed going I did it I, I did it <laughs> um, <laughs> I love and that. And so, you know, he's very famous for for hating his film adaptations because I think three out Such of four a of them are bad. Um, I mean, but, yeah, uh, they're not all great. I will give you but that. But he did. Uh, there is a recording of him you can find um, that's kind of funny, where he he briefly drops character <laughs> because. So this <laughs> is I, I hinted at it earlier, but I'm going to get into a little mm -hmm. bit of my armchair psychology on Alan Moore. Yes. And exactly yes, Dan, bring it. Why he's the <laughs> goofy caveman I love so much. Um, oh my God, strap in, y'all! I'm ready so, for it. 
so there's a there's like a recording of him at a comic panel where like somebody asks him you know about like movies and stuff and he like very casually says oh yes i'm sure it's fine as a film i just don't really have much interest in seeing it <laughs> yeah. like beforehand yeah i remember he's always that. <laughs> you know, at every other interview he's like it's the product of diseased minds who can it's do horrible. nothing but steal yeah. you know like <laughs> Um, but so when you get into his, like the course of his career a little, a little bit, mm-hmm. you can see why he has such weird feelings about this work in particular. Um, because mm-hmm. this was the first time he was, this is the first time he had like a truly major success. Like Watchmen changed yeah, the, this is a huge the comic one. book landscape. Also the first time yeah. he truly got screwed. You know, like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's it's interesting you know seeing some of the like letters and stuff he wrote like there's a a treatise um that's worth reading um for he mm. when he was working with dc after the success of watchmen he wrote mm-hmm. kind of a pitch document i think it's about like maybe 20 or 30 uh 30 pages long um for mm-hmm. a project called twilight of the superheroes and Ooh. it was going to be kind of a future story about a dark future of the DC universe. Um, and it, it's quite interesting. It's That's very cool. Watchmen-ish. Like, it's clear he was kind of taking some of those concepts and converting them to the more mainstream world. Um, but in okay. in the writing, like, he talks a little bit about how excited he is about Watchmen's success, you know, and, like, how he's very interested mm-hmm. in this kind of different career opportunities that will come out of it. And it all kind of came out of him being under an agreement with DC that once the comic went out of print, he would get the rights. And all the way up until that point, a really successful comic might have like two or three print runs, you know, like re Mm -hmm. like you would, you would have the initial run and then you might have a collection, you know, collected edition you might have like mm-hmm. two or three of those and then they wouldn't print them anymore because nobody wanted to read, you know, comics forever, right? Wrong. <laughs> but, um, Wrong. Yeah, Incorrect. But, uh, <laughs> so, so more or less for the first time, uh, a comic was just kept in print forever and it was Watchmen. So he never got the rights back to this thing that he had oh, been no. you know, planning to, like he, he has little documents where he's saying, you know, oh, and we wrote this world to be so big so we could do like a Minutemen series and like a Rorschach and Night yeah. Owl monthly and like all this stuff. Oh my gosh. Um, oh and no. That, I don't think that was the first time he got screwed, but like that was, you know, one of the big ones. A big one. And then it kept happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh well, no wonder he's a curmudgeon. And so like that's why <laughs> I can never take, you know, he made these like statements a few years back where he compared superheroes to the KKK and like, you know, like he oh. he has all this oh. he has all this stuff and like I can never and his his daughter actually came out and like uh she wrote a very sweet little defense of her father where she says like Look, if you know my dad's actual story, you know why he's so bitter about all of this. And like, yeah, she she described. Um, uh, it sounded quite cute that like when he comes to visit her and his grandson, they sit around drawing comics and coming up with superheroes. You know, and she's no, like, it's hard to tell so who's cute. having a better time. You know, right? <laughs> so it's one of these things where it's like I think a lot That's of adorable. his. I think he he's like a jilted lover, you know, where it's like yeah. much of his bitterness yeah, towards the medium or towards the genre comes out of the fact that mm-hmm. he truly loved it 
and that it ended yeah, badly. Totally. And then he's also talked a little bit about, um, I think there's another aspect to it that he had this really dramatic influence on how the comic book superhero worlds are conceived. Um, mm. And he's not all of it was good. You know, like there was a lot of, Okay. A lot of people, a lot of less talented writers and artists took away from Watchmen that like, oh, we can put really explicit sex and violence in these things now, um, yep. as opposed to thinking about like, oh, those yep. those elements of the story all like play an important role. Like more famously said, whenever I read comics, it's like everybody's still in a bad mood I was in 10 years ago. <laughs> <You know? laughs> So it. that's my yeah. That's not yeah, wrong. No, it's true. And, and <laughs> I'm not super up to date on uh, you know modern like uh, big three publishing and and comic books. Um, yeah, but because uh, so, I know there have been changes and there have been different things, but I think that mark was made, and it never truly like a lot of people did not look at what Watchmen was and sit there and be like, oh, this means we can tell whatever kind of stories we want, and instead thought. I need mm -hmm. a gritty, nasty protagonist, and I need a downer ending, and I need lots of weird sex and violence, you know, and none of yeah. the none of the sophistication and none of the heart um, that is in that comic. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. So yeah, I don't know. Um, Did we do it? I think we might have. Are we there? Do Did we, we finally do, do it? We, uh, do we want an <laughs> appendix uh, where I complain about the TV show? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, I would be remiss to not at least mention. Y'all, you don't even know. There is a HBO miniseries that was created, which is like, ooh, like I want to say like 20, 30 years after yes. the film. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about that really fast. I, that could be its entire own topic of an episode. Yes. I, I could talk about it for hours. I will, I will oh. say this. I watched it all in a single day. And I think okay. that's why I didn't like it. I think if I had watched oh, it weekly, no. I would not have noticed the issues with the writing in the back half. Um, okay. There are a lot of legitimate plot holes, not just nitpicks, but legitimate plot holes that bothered me. Okay. Can I ask what those are? Because now I'm very curious. Uh, Lady True, the only evidence we have that Lady True is evil is that Ozymandias says she is. Um, other than that, she's been manipulative and she's murdered people, but the people she murdered were all terrible. Um, and then, and then okay. the entire idea of stopping her from getting Dr. Manhattan's power is kind of totally subverted by Sister Knight getting it at the end. Um, I also, mm. God, this could be like a five hour podcast. Um, I easily, but we'll, we'll there just are, it. <laughs> there are plot elements that I thought showed some basic misunderstandings of the characters um mm. from like the original watchmen yeah like i think ozymandias yeah. and dr manhattan's characterization doesn't really gel um even though i fucking love jeremy jeremy irons as ozymandias is jeremy irons he, he is great but that character is written so as a comment good. on ozymandias not as ozymandias that's really? that's how i feel Ooh. about it um, okay and yeah and I did really like what they did with Who Did Justice. I I thought he was oh. great, but uh, the one thing I think I think they dropped the ball on is that it's pretty explicit. As I as I waxed poetic about, 
that hooded justice justice's motivations are sexual and the the show mm-hmm. kind of glosses over that um and mm-hmm. then also that, doesn't yeah. really explore his relationship with Sally Jupiter, um, which I would have yeah. I would have liked to have seen that because I think there there is an interesting added layer to him have been a black man in disguise if he's like having this, you know, attractive white woman being like, All right, you're my boyfriend now in public and him sitting there being like, yeah. Oh my god, I hope nobody figures this out because this would be Bad. Yeah, you know, like in 1930s America, this is not 1930s, not, not a, a good time. Not a, yeah, not happening in the in the public eye. Um, so all that mm-hmm. I I didn't think really worked. Um, other than that, though, like I think the initial mystery is very intriguing. All the cast, <sighs> great cast, really stellar characters. Cast. Um, some very it. cool development. Like I I really liked the. Uh, white power militia adopting Rorschach as their icon in in particular yeah. because you know if you've read the comic like Rorschach would kill those guys <laughs> yes that's what's so crazy is they adopt it's like literally like a new version of the KKK has taken on the Rorschach masks as their new kind of vigilante symbol and it's just such a perverted twist on what Rorschach actually was and I and it's great too because Rorschach is dead so he's not there to protect the symbol of what he wanted it to be and they completely perverted it and I I love oh, yeah and I think I it love how it tracks they did because that. I you know Rorschach isn't exactly a guy who's ever attended sensitivity training but I also oh god no <laughs> but I also don't think he is someone who would have like clan sympathies you know <laughs> like, no not at all he would have just been like you yeah. all suck I'm not well, supporting this you know his whole thing is like it's okay to kill criminals it's not okay to just kill someone yes. because they don't look like you yes know, like exactly like it's not how they look it's what they've done and if you've done something shady as all hell you will suffer the consequences. Like, it doesn't matter what your skin tone is. It's, yeah, very, very different. I love it. Some very good uh, world elements to it, though. Like, I I love that there's a whole thing about Vietnam being a state in that world. Um, Yes, because we win the Vietnam conflict instead. Yeah. Right, with with Dr. Manhattan. Um, And Mm -hmm. I liked, uh, there's there's some very good, some very well done, like tiny little world details. Like um, at one point, someone is in a video store and you can see sitting on the shelf a copy of Silk Swingers of Suburbia, which is the movie (laughs) that was made that was supposed to be Sally Jupiter's story, but became basically a softcore porno, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, and I think another one of my favorite things that they put in the show was we kind of mentioned it before is the whole the the whole mention of nostalgia. Mm. So nostalgia is a is a cologne yes. in Watchmen the graphic novel, but then they've twisted it in the show where nostalgia is a drug that they created to help people grapple with past traumas or past memories. So it's literally your memories are extracted from you and put into a pill 
so that you can relive your memories to try and just work through whatever that was. But they banned it because people were just taking it so that they could stop living in the present and live in the past because it's like a hallucinogenic, but your memories. Yeah. And Fascinating. That, that episode, I which loved is the, that. That is the Hooded Justice episode. Um, yes, where you learn that whole really, backstory. It's really amazing. well shot. It's all in black and white. There's, there's a lot of like very kind of surreal imagery. So yeah, I didn't. Yes. I mean, I, okay. I pulled shot. a bit of an Alan Moore because I started this off by saying oh, I hated it. I thought it was the worst. <laughs> you know, I didn't actually. But I actually hate loved it. it. I didn't actually <laughs> think it was the worst. But I do think I don't like it. I think I it can is, see the plot I think holes. It is deeply flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see why yes. people would like it because again, if I had been watching it one episode a week, I probably would have been sitting there being like, "Oh, this is great," you know. <laughs> I love just the aesthetic of it. It's 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 much more new aged, so it's just beautifully oh, the, cinematography styled. The soundtrack styles. is mind blowing. The soundtrack um, is so good. Also, I, they they kind of their stand in Rorschach character without it actually being Rorschach is what they call um, mirror. Uh, looking well, glass. Lori calls yeah. a mirror guy, and his name is actually looking guy, looking glass. But she's like mirror guy. So he's got like this this. Again, a hooded mask that he pulls on his face and it looks like this metallic kind of lycra mm-hmm. fabric. But really what it is is this specialty um, fabric that is basically intended to to block out psychic blasts, right. which they refer heavily back to when right, the squid a, gets dropped on. He's a survivor on, of the squid attack. Yeah, he's, he's a survivor a of the squid attack because he was in New Jersey and so the radius barely hit him and like more than half the people around him die. And he basically goes a little <laughs> cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and gets very paranoid for oh, yeah. obvious reasons. Well, um, but yeah, fascinating oh, yeah, developments. And- I loved that was my favorite oh, yeah. character, I, I, I think. I loved Looking Glass. Well, I was joking with a friend yeah. of mine that the tagline should be when everyone's Rorschach, nobody is. Um, because <laughs> I did feel like like Sister Knight actually has a lot of Rorschach elements to her. You know, she, she does all too. In black and white. She has this really intense moral code, this intense rage. Absolutely. You know, obviously, the Seventh yeah. Cavalry, they all dress, they all wear Rorschach yes. masks as their symbol. Um, yeah. And that... I did I did like what they were doing with that as far as like the idea of I don't think anybody actually like sits there and talks about Rorschach in that story. Um No, they his, just reference the Rorschach masks because that's the imagery, but that's about as far as it goes. It's everywhere in the story. Yes. And I thought that was yes. well done and fascinating. Similar. There were there were some nice little nods to other elements of the story, but if, if I keep talking about mm-hmm. this, I'm going to have you here for another, like, four hours. No, no, it's fine. I did want to say, like, one final thing that I really loved about the universe that they built was they they premised that they call it, um, oh, I think they call it the White Knight. So oh, yes. it's where a lot of the the um, KKK groups who were considered the, the 7th Cavalry, they went on a huge killing spree of all cops. Right. And so then because of this incident, they decided to create a mandate that all people in law enforcement had to hide their identities by covering their faces and also were no longer allowed to tell anybody except for the people that they worked with that they were actually cops. So they're basically everybody is undercover. Everybody has their face covered. And so they basically bring back vigilanteism, but it's actual law enforcement. And it's 
crazy. The detectives are all superheroes. Like when you, yes. when you become a detective, when you yes. Change your outfit. Then you acquire a, a persona. You, know, so you have like the red menace. Yeah. And, so and all the one. unis. Yeah. Yeah. The unis are all in actual police attire, but they all have yellow face yeah. masks on that cover everything but their eyes. And it's such a fascinating concept. And they're like not supposed to tell their families. They're not supposed to tell anybody they know outside of work because it's a right. liability now because everybody got massacred in one night because everybody yeah. knew who they were. Fascinating. No, it's, it's, there are Fascinating a lot of elements line. of that TV series that I liked. I just I can't Ugh. I can't give it my full endorsement because I was. That's know, okay. There were elements I found very. That is okay. I too. see. I see the holes. Um, yeah, but overall, it's a beautiful, beautiful show. I did really appreciate the the style and the the soundtrack was killer and the casting mm. was amazing. Also, just like the fact that they. They focused a lot more on having a very diverse cast, and especially in that very first episode, it's a bang up way yes. to start a series where they they start on the Tulsa yes, massacre. Yes. Yeah, which which kind of runs and through the whole that's, the whole series is kind of yes because it takes yeah. place in Tulsa. But uh, yeah, fun fact about that: I didn't know that the Tulsa massacre was real <laughs> oh, until I saw that until I saw that show, and I was like, "This can't yeah, possibly no, it's, be it's... real." And then I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh my god, this actually happened!" And I'm like, "This is this is our <laughs> education system at work, people." That I was like twenty, ooh, I, actually, I think it was over thirty <laughs> at that point, and did not know that that was an yeah. actual historical event. Wild, wild. But yeah, that's how this show starts. So it's it's not a lighthearted no, it is, show. It is not. not doesn't go <laughs> Ooh, too hard. Oh, but it's on so the, good. The funny parts. Um, oh, not at all. But it's pretty amazing. I will say, I really yeah, enjoyed it. Well, okay. Well, we'll stop there because I could easily keep going. <laughs> but uh, we could ha- we could say, would you say that we have watched mm. The Watchmen? <laughs> we have watched all of the Watchmen, my good sir. Who watches the Watchmen? Oh, we do. Um, <laughs> and everybody else who wants to watch well, the Watchmen. <laughs> uh, I guess we're wrapping up. Yes. What are you doing? What are you writing? Because oh. we have an author yes, in the yes, house, yes. y'all. Um, what okay, are you doing? So, Tell uh, me. I think the next thing coming up, um, I have another mm-hmm. short story coming up. It should be um, <gasps> Uh, November 2023 in uh, Mysterion Ooh. Online Magazine. I have a short Yay. story coming up called Devil in the Rain. Um, Ooh, which good is, title. Uh, it is part of my, uh, it is a story about a recurring character of mine called Tenlock the Bondsman, who's this interstellar yes. cyborg mercenary type character. Um, yes. and this one is about uh, an encounter with him, uh, between him and a bunch of nuns. <laughs> so, as you do <laughs> i will let your imagination yes! run wild on that. let um, that go where you want <laughs> and then, uh, I, don't, I don't have a ton of other projects uh in, in the immediate future but we'll see there may be addendums there'll be more um and then mm-hmm. i have been reading a very interesting book Ooh. um i have been yes. reading a very dark western called welcome Ooh. to hard times um, by Ooh, an author okay. named, I believe his name is E.L. Doctoro. Um, but it mm. is, it's a very similar vibe to uh, like Blood Meridian and a lot of those other kind of really dark, nasty Western stories. But it is essentially mm. about this small town 
that basically is the victim of a rampage of a lone outlaw. Oh, damn. And then the characters kind of, the survivors kind of trying to pick up the pieces in the aftermath. Um, Ooh. So it's quite good. That sounds um, yeah, very it's dark. very dark. There's a lot of it is about, yeah. you know, kind of trauma and survival and endurance Ooh. and, you know, basically how we nice. how we see the world after we are, ex- you know, we're exposed to our own level of vulnerability, which does uh, mm. track with a lot of stuff that's in Watchmen, actually. <laughs> so uh, Absolutely, it yeah, does. So that's, Ooh. Uh, that's I have been uh, watching. And then I, nice. I want to give one last endorsement. Um, of course. I actually finished this some time ago, but uh, I think in between the last time I was on this show, uh, Ooh, I've bring got a it. video game. I really want to endorse. <gasps> yes, bring it. What is it? Disco Elysium. It is a role-playing detective game in which you play <gasps> yes. as a... Uh, detective character in this strange kind of surreal vaguely european city where every political system has been tried and failed Ooh! and you wake up one morning after an epic bender with no memory of who you are or what you do (laughs) and so it is it is as much a story about figuring out who you are as it is about solving Uh the central mystery um it's a lot of fun. Ooh. It's really funny. It's cool. really sad. It's really poignant. It is very much hmm. uh, not kind of your classic situation. Like it's not really about, you know, mm-hmm. putting points in strength and dexterity and magic use. Um, right. One of the conventions of the game is that your stats are different aspects of your personality. And you're Ooh, kind of I like that. talking That's to fun. your own subconscious the whole time. <laughs> so like. Oh, you'll have cool. like your you know your sense of aggression being like you should smash his head in right now and then you're like empathy oh, is like no no cool. don't do that That's, maybe know, not do that like, yeah Ooh, that's uh, yeah. very cool what platform is it on uh i believe it's pc um i pc okay sweet is it like yeah, steam yeah, or you something can get it on or? steam um, okay it goes okay. on sale fairly regularly um sweet definitely an acquired taste Ooh, i've never heard I of it really liked it um nice yeah, so that's what's oh, going cool. on in my neck of the woods how about you <gasps> i'm so glad you asked <laughs> um i am in the process of kind of revisiting a um graphic novel series called saga oh, i don't know if you've have I you read it i think i read the first volume it's oh the, my lord there's people with with horns Yes, one of the main characters has horns. So it's basically like a space opera fantasy adventure kind of thing. And it's it's just all your space sci-fi. And it's it's about a man and a woman who are a couple and they go on these crazy adventures and are being hunted. And it's beautiful. I cannot stress how gorgeous mm. the art style is for it. And it is it's just ugh. From- Mm, it's so From yummy. What I, remember, I love it. That one was actually a really good example of what we were discussing as far as it is a comic that only really works as a comic. Like it has a lot of these really yes. creative visuals that yes. you couldn't render any other way. It would be very difficult. There's like a character in the the graphic novel series that literally is a woman in, I want to say like, oh, we'll say 18th century like ball gown attire from the neck down and then her head is a tv screen 
So yes, it's like real yes, weird. Yes, yes, I remember the, the um, robot people. Yeah, the TV and it's people, whatever. They're yeah, yeah, they're they're literally like a, a, a people who have just TVs <laughs> for heads and have like a very monarchy vibe from the neck down. Yeah. It's bizarre, and I love it to bits. But um, yeah, I feel like it would be very difficult to render. I will say though. Um, another thing that I'll, I'll plug a little bit is the Sandman series by Neil Gaiman. Um, if you haven't read it, stop everything you're doing and read it. It's amazingly beautiful. And it was the first graphic novel I ever read. And it's beyond gorgeous. But they actually made a, a live action mini series of it recently on Netflix. And I will say that I was not convinced they would be able to render that because if you've ever read any of Neil Gaiman's work, his work is so elaborate and so beautiful, especially mm. his graphic novel work. They actually didn't do half bad of a job with the, okay. the live action, I will say. The graphic novel is by far superior, but visually, they really did a good job with a lot of the main characters um, in the graph- in the adaptation, I will say. But those oh, are my two plugs. Nice. They're great. Yes. Oh my gosh, Dan, we did did it. it. We made it. Woo, part two, baby. We finished. All right. Well, thank you so much for sticking it out with me for yet another glorious episode. Always a pleasure. Wonderful time. And uh, I would say this is the end, but nothing ever ends. (laughs) No, nothing ever ends. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. True words were never spoken. Uh, on that lovely note, my lovelies, thank you for sticking out for part two. Thanks for listening to us yet again, gush over another Alan Moore classic. And we will see y'all next time. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>